Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Chad Charlie. Chad Charlie is an Afro-Indigenous filmmaker from Ahasset First Nations. Beginning in his career in 2008 as a stand-up comedian and spoken word artist, he now extends the same passion for poetry and humor in his writing for TV and film. Currently, he is the writer and actor for the hit television series Reservation Dogs on FX. Chad has directed several short films, the most recent of which, Firecracker Bullets, will be set for the 2022 festival season. So, let's jump into this conversation with Chad Charlie. Before we quite jump into it, um, I wanted to just um, give one technical note here. Uh, there were some issues recording the audio, um, both in the space that we used and uh, the fact that my microphone had failed me during the interview. And so what you're going to hear um, is the original audio from Chad Charlie, as you did last week with Lauren Waters. Uh, we had to do some editing with with my, some of my audio. And so you're going to hear a little bit of inconsistencies, but it is true to the interview. So, just want to give you a heads up. Chad Charlie, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. Would you be able to introduce yourself? Tell us a little about yourself, your background, and where you're from. My name is Chad Charlie. I am a writer and director. Um, I house at First Nations, living in Seattle, Washington right now. And uh, I write for a television series called Reservation Dogs. That's great. Uh, thank you. Um, can we talk about influences? Um, influences early on when uh, we were younger and where we're at today? Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. No. <laughs> Just end of sentence. No. <laughs> um, no, my, my influences um, are mostly my peers, you know, the people that, that, uh, that teach me to be better at my craft, people that teach me how to be a better person in general, um, you know, to name, name a few very specific people, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for, currently he's, he's my boss, Sterling Harjo, um, just, just because, like, watching what he's done with with all of the opportunity that's been given to him to be able to give it to people like myself and uh, Lauren as well and just our entire you know native film community in general um, as well as you know all of the producers on Res Dogs but I mean in all reality like my my influence my my the people that influence me the most are the people like Sterling like like Issa Rae like, like, and when I say like Tyler Perry, like I'm like, honestly, Tyler Perry, like I've been watching him do it since I was a kid. Right. And like, you know, I, I look back at, at when I first started my career as a stand-up comedian, um, there were times where I didn't really believe in, uh, myself just based off of like how to navigate the world of comedy, um, it's, it's pretty difficult and there's things that like let's say when you don't get a call back for comedy clubs 
like how do you keep how do you continue with your career um and then i look at stories like tyler perry who's like he didn't get callbacks for his plays he didn't get he didn't get a lot of opportunity but he created them for himself and then he brought his own people on and when he needed audiences he handed out free tickets to his family members his closest friends and that's how i got into stand-up comedy it was like all right well in order for me to to be better at my craft i need to believe in myself and i need to um invite my closest friends so you know to to begin comedy like like i i was i was doing pretty well for a minute like at comedy clubs i didn't like the whole open mic thing waiting three hours to do two minutes of comedy wasn't cool for me so i um i built a stage at a local barber shop and we would have comedy night there and i would invite all my closest friends and and then from there you know my career just just kind of just took off and and now i'm here writing a tv show (laughs) um but yeah it's 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 mainly people watching people i guess endure all of the the hardships that they've had to go through and then and then once they hit a certain level of success they bring on their own people and that's something that I want to be able to do, something that I want to create for my community, my family members, my peers that want to get into this industry as well. That's so great to hear. To to tell their story is, is so inspirational. Like you said, he carved his own path and created opportunities, which I feel is on Reservation Dogs right now, where Sterling is able to bring on, and I, I don't know the full details, but the group that ultimately... Was the 1491s? It's so exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's been really great. Um, throughout my comedy career, I've I've worked a lot with the 1491s, and like I wasn't can't say that I was a 1491 member, but um, I think the way that we always describe it is just just honorary okay. honorary 1491 member, and like it was you know we get double booked, and and whenever they were busy, it would just be like, all right, well we got. A backup, you know, like pick up. Yeah, I was, I was, I was the, uh, I was the pickup singers. I was, the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we all know the stories that Black Lodge is at two different powwows at the same time. I was, <laughs> I was the backup Black Lodge. Fourteen ninety ones presents Chad Charlie, um, and and it was it was fun, and and then we, you know, we built a friendship over the years, and and now I'm just really grateful to to be able to write a television show with all of my friends. So, uh, real quick, right off the top of your head, uh, three comedians that are that are your inspirations. Three comedians that are my inspirations. Uh, top of my head is Tony Baker. Um, another one at the top of my head will always be Richard Pryor and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> um yeah, and it's, I mean, like, some, some people, in all reality, like, they're just, they're just really, really thoughtful, critical thinkers. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like, like, those people, to be able to live life in critical thought, people to be able to, to analyze the world in a very specific way and, and make, create humor out of it is extremely inspiring to me because I'm like, I've been through a life of trauma and, and it's been really difficult for me as an individual to, 
to get back into humor. Mm -hmm. So when I when I see people dealing with with the way that they're I guess navigating the world and, and how the world is is um, just playing out in their lives and they're able to create humor out of it throughout critical thought. Um, those those are my favorite types of comedians. Mm, yeah, because I, I think so much of comedy is critical of society, right? It's showing a mirror of what's going on. And, you know, Indian humor has always been about sort of maybe putting people in their place or checking them and teasing them when things are getting out of hand. It's good natured, but there's also a lesson in there too. Yeah, Indian humor is is it's the best humor I think and it's it's the most authentic. I mean every all of our communities we have we have our own type of authenticity. Um and I feel like with reservation dogs it's it's so beautiful because we're able to take everything that happens within our communities write a story about it and not all of it is about the trauma it's about the beauty within our community it's about the bonds the friendships the families and the jokes the humor that we have you know there's a story that that um you know me and sterling and bobby we tell all the time about how when we were at standing rock um, well, first, Bobby will always point out that the first time he met me at Standing Rock, he walked into a teepee, and I was in there with a big old whiteboard of just sketch comedy, like like who just walks into a teepee with sketches written all over a whiteboard. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was me and, and uh, Tito Ibarra. We were just like, all right, let's... we like Like, our goal at Standing Rock was, like, whatever trauma is going to happen we're going to get beat up we're going to get fucking, we're going to get brutalized we have to be the ones to bring people joy you know no ain't nobody else going to do it and you know there's there's a moment where me sterling bobby and a few other people we drove around we drove around camp and um so standing rock just just to put a little context behind this specific day um you know, it was filled with, with a whole bunch of, like, you know, the, the what we like to call the um, Burning Man contingent. It was, it was just a whole bunch of hippies. <laughs> and uh, we went around camp and, and started advertising that we're going to be giving away Indian names. <laughs> and we didn't expect that many people to show up. We, we expected, like... <laughs> We expected like like a solid five ten people. Uh, we'll have a little ceremony for them, um, and then we tell them what camp we're at, and then we're like, "It be there in half an hour." Half hour comes, and we're like chilling in the teepee, and we look out. We look outside, and we're like, "Damn, there's like 30, 30 something people out there ready to get some Indian names." <laughs> And we, we couldn't back down, so we were like, all right, let's, let's give out some Indian names. Oh, no. um, and there was like, there was this, like, we just, we just put on this show and like, just tried to keep our composure. And there was a moment where we're like, we would give out the most absurd Indian name. And like, when, uh, one of our friends, Vanessa, um, she had one of those, those, um, accordion like fire blower thingies <laughs> like like you know what i mean the pumps um so whenever we gave indian names we would be like all right bless them and she would 
shoot. <laughs> Pump the air straight into their face. And they felt, they felt the creator. <laughs> and we made our round, we, we gave out dozens of Indian names and it wasn't until um, this, one, this one person, uh, I ran out of Indian names to give. And I, just, I was just like, all right, let me just point out stuff on like tattoos and clothing articles, whatever. And then there was one person, I think we gave her Indian name of like, it was, what was it like? golden turtle or something and I was just like alright she's wearing something gold and there's a turtle tattooed on her neck it's giving a golden turtle and then like immediately you could just see like her face was upset um, she went directly to security and <laughs> security like a couple minutes later her and security comes around the corner like ready to boot us out of camp like there's these guys giving out Indian names and they think that this ceremony is funny and uh, and then security came around the corner and saw that it was me, Poppy, and Sterling, <laughs> and gave them a big old lecture about Indian humor, and was like, "Listen, Indians have our own way of getting through our traumas, and and you just happen to be a part of the joke, I guess." <laughs> um, but yeah, Indian humor is 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 always lovely to have, and it's. And I think about it as as like I forget what book is part of, but I like it. It's always on my mind. Brian Deloria said something along the lines of, "People don't think that native natives are funny because we're not supposed to be, because the world looks at us as a broken people because their intention was to break us, and when they see us with joy, when they see us with humor, it doesn't make sense to them." And something as powerful as that just continues to remind me that, like, there's, regardless of all of the trauma, regardless of all of the, the hardships that we go through, we're not supposed to be happy, and that's resistance. We're not supposed to have joy, and that's resistance. We're not supposed to be laughing. We're not supposed to have comedians. We're not supposed to have comedy shows. But we do, and that's why we do it. Yeah, I think those who don't think we have humor don't know us. Yeah, and it reminds me of like the old Charlie Hill joke, R.I.P. Charlie Hill. Uh, that's another influence. Uh, sorry, it wasn't at the top of my head, but I remember um, Charlie Hill had this joke when he went on the Richard Pryor show. And his opening joke was, oh, I guess uh, you white people didn't think that Indians were funny. Oh, we didn't think you were too funny either. And, and just like, I don't know, I think the best part of, of, of Indian humor to me is always like, let's just point out the obvious, you know? Mm -hmm. I opened up a show one time and like, it was, it was a, it was, this was actually my last comedy show, my last live show. And, um, and the comedians before me, I was booked for like 20 minutes. It was a showcase. Comedians before me, came off stage and they're like good luck and they, they had me headlining um they're like good luck it's tough nobody's paying attention it was and there's a bar in the back um it was loud and and i knew that i had an audience there but then all the loud people were all the <clears throat> white people <clears throat> um and um and i went on stage and you know i just opened the show up with uh all right so everybody on a count of three just turn around and shush 
everybody in the back and then they did that on a count of three everybody turned around and shushed all the loud people and then once i had their attention i was like all right let's get to the point of this show the real problem white people and, <laughs> and then i had their attention and uh like i said i was booked for about 20 minutes and um I didn't get off that stage for like 45 minutes and I was like that was the one show that I was extremely comfortable with because I knew that I was never going to do this again. Wow. 45 minutes set. Yeah. That's, that's wild. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about careers. College, post-college, and we've touched a little bit on it, but uh, can you talk about that process? Yeah. What? So for me, I, I've always known what I wanted to be since I was a child. You know, my grandma would, will still tell the story till this day about how when, you know, my, my uncle was, was extremely sick and I was about like probably seven or eight years old and I would like spend my day while he's like resting on on the couch she would say that he was dearly on his deathbed um he was he was on the couch and i would just put on a comedy show all day and my goal was to make sure that that he was laughing and he was filled with joy and throughout my entire life i've always seen that it's like comedy is humor laughter is or not comedy is humor laughter is is medicine like comedy is healing you know um and there was a time where, where, where I didn't feel as, as humorous throughout my life. And that was throughout my, my formative years of, you know, teenage adolescence and getting into trouble. Um, and then it took, you know, it took a few people to, to whip me back into shape and say, Hey man, you're like, you're funny. You gotta, like, you gotta get your life together and get back to being who you are. Um, and I started stand-up comedy when I started comedy when I was 18 years old, you know, I started on YouTube, started doing uh, um, funny YouTube videos. Uh, we had a channel called uh, Res to Res Comedy, and um, we would just interview random people in our res accents, and it worked. It was pretty cool. And then, uh, and then there was a few comedians that had watched our show and was like, you guys are cool and this is funny, but make a career out of it. Save those jokes for the stage. And, um, and then immediately after that, I was like, all right, let me try it out. Let me go on stage. And then I built a whole career doing stand-up comedy. And, um, and there was time where, where I went to college and I was, um, I still knew that I wanted to be be a comedian but there was there's no comedy what am i going to go to clown school you know <laughs> so i uh so i went to school for business and um the whole idea behind that was to be able to i knew that some so somebody had told me that comedy is the easy part of the job that's like that's getting on stage that's that's the easiest part of the job the hardest part is is the business the hardest part is is booking yourself selling yourself and like that's 95 percent of the job you spend 14 hours a day trying to make sure that you have a paycheck coming in and then you spend one hour on stage um 
So I, I learned that very early on in my career. And uh, I started taking um, classes for, for business. And then I dropped out and went to Standing Rock and messed up my whole life. And <laughs> but I wouldn't change that one bit at all, you know. Um, Standing Rock was, was a very important part of my life. I just, I, I left that and had a hard time getting back into comedy. But I'm stuck with the thought that there are people out there that think they have legitimate Indian names from you guys. Yeah. <laughs> they left there just all happy. Yeah. 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 I wish I could remember all of those Indian names that we gave out. Um, we actually have footage of it. Sterling has it somewhere in his garage. And um, we just haven't done anything with it, but it's it's hilarious. Save that for a script. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be in when the documentary is made about Sterling's life. Hopefully, that little segment gets put in there. <laughs> yeah, something um, uh, Dallas had said was, uh, "Imagine all the documentaries coming out of Sunny Rock after this." You know, I think. Your guys' take on it would be something no one would see coming. So the, the comedy side of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we talk about this a lot, and it's funny because like, so I have a Standing Rock film, and it's about it's about my life, and it's about how how I come from a world of humor, get into activism, and 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 like try to readjust back into a life of humor, and how difficult that is with. PTSD, with depression, with, you know, all of the, the new experiences that I've experienced while at Standing Rock. Um, and and the guys will will clown me for like, because they, they, everybody knows me as a comedian, you know? And then like, they'll clown me like, dude, be funny. <laughs> like, make funny movies. You're a funny person, you know? Make some, make some comedies. And then... Uh, and then, um, like I remember, so I made a, I made a my first film, and it's called Uuta, and it's about a story about a connection between a young man and his grandmother, and she teaches him to prepare to be a whale hunter, and um, <clears throat> and it's not a comedy at all, and these guys watched my film and they're just like, where's the humor? We ex you know we expected humor, and then they would ask me like, would you? remake that as a comedy <laughs> and i'm just like well yeah you, you pay me <laughs> if you pay me i will but um yeah there's so many so many different experiences that us like i mean all of the writers for res dogs and you know just the 14, 1491s um i think that they are really great at, at taking certain situations and being able to being able to bring joy out of it and i think that they're really bringing that out in me um and it's it's really helping me you know discover myself again and you know realign myself back onto that that path of of humor so that leads us right into the question about opportunities We've talked a little bit about this, but how have they presented themselves to you? But also, how should a person take a look at opportunities that present themselves? I 
feel like the the creator has a plan for all of us the universe has a plan for all of us and for me personally i have a lot of confidence in myself and i know that i have a bright future ahead of me i i just need to understand that it is my job to go get that future it is my job to attain all of those plans that i set for myself um so when the opportunity arises and if it's something that if it's something that i don't even know how to do um just say yes and learn how to do it later um i didn't know how to how to write a screenplay until i just did it you know i didn't know how to dr- i wrote my first screenplay and then um got it funded and i was like i don't know how to direct a film and then i did it and i mean like for me opportunity is like you don't we don't know what our future is but we know that the the more active we are uh, proactive that we are in attaining our plans we just have to say yes and learn how to do it later um the opportunity will always present itself you just got to be aware and be prepared for it um and if we're not prepared just learn as we go we're only human none of us know what we're doing none of us know what we're doing we just live life live our experiences and and learn as we go right um and i believe that i strongly believe that that like lauren said timing is everything um we are exactly where we need to be and there's things that will that will shift our direction every now and then um for me personally was you know standing rock i thought i was going to be a comedian my whole life i was going to do stand up com- comedy and then i hit depression and i got ptsd and um <clears throat> and i didn't know how to get back on stage i didn't know how to how to bring humor to the world um and there was times where i where i felt really really doubtful about my life and then it just then i came to a point where somebody had to remind me it was like you're a natural storyteller um you got to find a way to redirect your stories if you're not going to do it throughout through humor if you're not going to do it on stage at a live audience don't let your stories die with your depression um so i became a filmmaker and i just learned as i went and this like ties back to the whole college thing too is like okay well i'm 28 years old changing my career going into film and that do i have to go to college for it do i have to go to film school um and i have a lot of friends in the in the film industry that were just like nah um we'll teach you and if we ain't got the time youtube will teach you you know there's fellowships out there uh there's so much opportunity there's there's just be active in wanting to learn wanting to grow and knowing that regardless of what route you take you're exactly where you need to be the opportunity will be there and just don't say no to growing does that make sense so you're naturally leading us into the last question that i have and that's what would what would you say to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this stop what you're doing right now 
and go buy a Chad Charlie comedy t-shirt because if you want a future in this <laughs> I'm kidding I don't even got none for sale <laughs> um, I believe that the, the world doesn't revolve around us we're all going to make mistakes all of us are going to make mistakes and we're all going to learn from them throughout our lives um, all of the mistakes that I made in my life like they created who I am today and I I mean like well, I don't want to toot my own horn but I'm pretty good person <laughs> no I mean I like like I'm, I'm dope I'm dope <laughs> oh, I'm just like now I'm just like going off but <laughs> what I'm trying to say <laughs> now nah, what I'm trying to say is, is just live life live life um go through your experiences but understand that your future is waiting for you you just got to be prepared and go get it don't ever let any don't ever let anybody tell you you can't i have my some of my closest friends that i've been friends with for the last 10 12 15 years tell me there was a time where we didn't believe in you but you didn't stop there was times where i was sleeping on their couches and they were just like so when are you gonna start making money you know and you know i i i always like went the route where i didn't always make the most money i went the route that made me happy that brought me peace and brought me joy because like i said i strongly believe that that laughter is medicine that humor is medicine and my whole goal was to be able to bring that healing to our communities i didn't need money out of it um and there was, yeah, there was many times where, where people just didn't believe in me. But as long as I knew that I was happy in what I was doing, I was going to continue to do it. And eventually the money's going to come. Like the stability's going to come. The, like our future is there. We just got to be able to go get it. So when it comes to um, speaking to the younger generation, when I speak to my nephews, when I speak to my little cousins, you know, be a good person, live your life, live your own experiences. Um, not all of us are, we're, we're always going to have, we're always going to have, uh, bumps in the road. I mean, we're natives or we have potholes on the res, you know what I mean? There's always going to be bumps in the road, but we always know that we can make it home. We always know that we can make it to our destination where we're really meant to be. Um, so just take that, take that belief in life and know that we have a destination. We're going to make it regardless of what potholes are on regardless of what potholes are on our road, you know? Um, and be prepared for when that call comes because we're going to get 99 no's before we get the one yes that changes our life. So where can the listener find your work and connect with you in that way? Um, be able to find my work on FX on Hulu. Uh, <laughs> It's called Reservation Dogs. Um, I'm a writer and an actor in the show. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Chad Charlie, C H A D C H R L I E E E. I'll put links in the show notes and people can go check it out. Yeah, dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining me. This is really special, so thank you. You're um, 
now you're, you're great to speak with and felt really comfortable. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Chad Charlie again for his time and sharing his story with us. This this was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy talking to comedians. They seem to be the individuals that don't curate their words. You know, they speak right from the heart. And it's 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 a lot of times unfiltered and I love it. And I, I any chance I can talk to a comedian, I'll take it. Another thing I noticed, um, both with uh, uh, Chad and Lauren Waters uh, from last week was that there there's a kindness and a generosity in in the exchange with them that I really connected with. I really enjoyed that. And I've spoken to two other individuals associated with Reservation Dogs that are also coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. And I find that same sort of spirit, uh, that same energy where there's just this kindness and this generosity. And it kind of goes back to a conversation I once had with Francis Ford Coppola. He has a restaurant in San Francisco. I used to live in San Francisco. And I spoke with him one night. And he had said, if you want to be a creative person, find like-minded people to be creative with. You know, find your community and, and foster that within the community. Because there you will find more success than you will as an individual especially in the film industry. And, you know, I, I really, that I really hung on to those words. And of course, you know, for, for me, it didn't happen. You know, I, I never really found that creative community that I could um, really be a part of, but I recognize his words and his wisdom in this group of reservation dogs, uh, both the cast and the crew. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, reservation dogs, as amazing and fantastic as it, as it is, it's just the beginning of a lot of really great things that come from these individuals. So uh, that comes from the talents of Lauren Waters and Chad Charlie and the, the whole group there. And so I, I applaud them for what they're doing. So Chad, thank you so much for, for this. Um, I invite the listener to check out what he is doing um, next. Uh, and there's links in the show notes. Also, I want you to check out his short film, Utlanta. Um, it's on YouTube. There will be a link in the show notes. It is a fantastic first. If this is his first attempt for a film, bravo. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so uh, great writer, fantastic filmmaker. Um, yeah, yeah, so look out for, for more from the great Chad Charlie. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, across social media, and at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please find me on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. All right. That's it. You take care and we will see you next week. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.